Welcome to BMO COVID-19 Insights. Visit bmocm.com slash COVID-19 for more up-to-the-minute insights. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. Hello and welcome. My name is Peter Scott, and I'm pleased to welcome you to today's discussion of the new BMO Blue Book, released by BMO Economics and BMO Business Banking. This edition of the BMO Blue Book has been released at a crucial point in our history. The COVID-19 pandemic has caused major economic dislocation across the country. As we enter the recovery phase, the characteristics of that recovery will be closely watched to see how it affects Canadian businesses and the economy more broadly. I'm joined for discussion today by BMO's chief economist, Douglas Porter. Doug, thanks so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. So BMO Economics Projection for the Canadian economy suggests a steep decline in GDP this year, but a strong snapback in 2021. Now that the lockdowns are lifting across the country and we're in a nascent recovery, how's that projection looking so far? Well, of course, in this highly unusual episode, we're, we're all going to always going to be faced with uh, some surprises, some unexpected developments. But I have to say from the, uh, from a very big picture standpoint, I would say things are actually falling pretty much in line with what we had expected uh, back during the early stages of the lockdown. In other words, they were going to start to lighten up in May and that we would see broad parts of the economy eventually come back by about July or so. But there would be other sectors that just, you know, aren't going to be able to return to uh, to normal anytime soon. And the hope was that some sectors that could reopen could at least partially step in into their place. And I think that, in a nutshell, is, is what we've seen. Uh, there's no question that the dramatic shutdowns that we saw in March and April are going to lead to a historic decline in, uh, in overall output in the economy this year, we think on the order of about 6%. Uh, but on the flip side, you know, we have seen some pretty dramatic comebacks in the early numbers we've seen from May, June, and, uh, and early July. And we do think that that sets the stage for, you know, an equally dramatic increase in the economy over, over the next year. And we think that when all the numbers are in for 2021, we're probably going to see something on the order of about a 6% snapback next year, uh, possibly even more, depending on how things un, uh, unfold. Uh, just to put that, though, you know, those sort of 6% moves into perspective, I would say a typical year for the Canadian economy these days is about a 2% increase in the economy. And, you know, we, we have not seen anything like a 6% decline in, uh, in the economy like we're going to see this year in the post-war era. Are there any risks to that forecast as we move into the recovery? Clearly, the uh, the risk is on the health side and the reemergence, the potential reemergence of the virus in the months or, or quarters ahead, and and I mean a widespread reemergence of the virus, like we've seen in the U.S. over the last month or so. And on on the flip side, if it becomes serious enough that it leads to you know rollbacks or some rollbacks in the in the economic opening and or you know, if people just aren't comfortable going out or, you know, continuing to travel or, or going to restaurants, you know, if it actually leads uh, to outright contraction again in the economy, that that really is where the risk of this uh, this outlook do, uh, do lie. I guess uh, the, the secondary risk is, you know, we basically businesses, individuals have been heavily supported by uh, by government's uh, stimulus measures or, or income support measures. Um, there is the possibility that as some of those measures begin to wane in the, in the months ahead, you know, we could see, uh, deepening, uh, 
business bankruptcies, we could see, you know, some loss in, in confidence that leads to, uh, to more widespread uh, economic weakness. I, I personally don't view that risk as nearly as, as uh, severe as, uh, as potential health risks. Um, but we, you know, we are dealing with a situation the likes of which we've never really seen before. We, you know, we've never really tried to shut down an economy. Uh, for a couple months and then re- restart it again. And, you know, frankly, we, we don't know at this point exactly how it's going to go. But I, I, I would say on balance, it's, it's going relatively well about as well as we could have hoped for. And so I do view the, uh, the single biggest risk as, uh, the renewed flare up in the virus. So we spoke of risks, but what about possible opportunities? And I bring as an example, Canada long being known as having a productivity gap with competing nations. So what innovation opportunities do you see in the recovery that might help us start to close that gap? Well, and I think, you know, to, to some extent, uh, it's almost like this very unfortunate episode has brought the, f- the future into the present in, in many industries. It's really uh, forced a, a rethink, you know, in, in all kinds of businesses, big and small, uh, to basically accelerate or or even introduce uh you know, spending they may, may have done on, on the tech side, uh, or, uh, to, to try to ramp up innovation, uh, whether it's small businesses going online, uh, many, many size businesses, you know, doing a lot more remote working, um, or even big businesses accelerating some of their, their capital spending, uh, plans. Well, you know, we've seen it in spades, even in our, our industry, we've, you know, seen uh, a much bigger push to, to online banking. It was already, of course, uh, a very big, uh, aspect of, of, of our industry, uh, before this, but if anything, it's, it's become even bigger. And I'd say that's just in a nutshell. You know, we have seen innovation, uh, really ramp up through this, uh, through this, as I said, very unfortunate episode. Um, I, and, you know, if there, there are any silver linings here, it is that we, you know, we, we have seen essentially some, uh, some sectors, some businesses, as, as I said, really have to reaccelerate, uh, some of their capital, Capital spending plans and, uh, and, and have been forced to, uh, to innovate. Um, will it lead to a productivity boom in, uh, in Canada? I, I'm, I'm relatively optimistic on that front. I, and, you know, frankly, going back to your question, we had been a bit of a laggard, you know, both, um, when you compare the level of our productivity to say, uh, that of the U.S. or even the growth rates in recent year, years, it, it frankly had been a disappointment. We had seen very, very little productivity growth in uh, in recent years, and I suspect that that will change. You know, and and I wouldn't judge it by the way. Over the next year or two, a, a lot of the economic data are are going to look very strange uh, for 2020 and 2021. But I'm thinking more of three to five years. I, I believe we are ultimately going to see some improvement in, in Canada's productivity. And I know, you know, sometimes there's a bit of a negative connotation around uh, productivity. But at the end of the day, it's gains in productivity that actually help drive real income growth. We do need productivity gains to make people better off, essentially. And so on on that front, I am relatively optimistic. I do think we will see a stronger productivity as as a result, again, of, of this very unfortunate episode. Just to give you one example of how we've, you know, seen a very dramatic change just in, in recent months. Uh, recently, Canada got its uh, retail sales figures for, uh, for the month of May. What they showed is that online sales had actually risen to 8% of overall retail spending in the month of May. Now, that number may come down a little bit as, as stores completely reopen, but that compares with less than 4% uh, in the pre-virus days. And that's that, I mean, that is a very dramatic change in a, in a short period of time. And I think it shows how, you know, 
Canadians as individuals and, and businesses uh, did uh, did start to move online in a big big way as, as a result of this. So this year's BMO Blue Book includes a new feature, and that's an outlook for five key sectors of the Canadian economy. Looking at the recovery, which sectors do you think are best positioned to help move the recovery forward? And conversely, which ones might have more longer-term challenges? So, you know, following on from uh, from the last question, the, the clear winner, and this is one of the five sectors we identified, is is the tax sector. I don't think I have to go into a lot more uh, than than what I already said, but you know we we've seen you know even in the equity markets, of course, the tech sector has been by far and away a big winner, both in Canada and and globally, and and I do think that is reflective of that sector really carrying the torch for the economy as as we look forward. I don't think there's too much debate on uh, on that front. Another sector that's been quietly performing well has been construction. It's held up well because it wasn't as affected by uh, by the shutdowns. Uh, we think the housing sector in, in general will actually help support the recovery. But even on the non-residential side, while there are areas of non-residential construction that clearly face a challenge, and there I'm thinking of the office and, and retail space, there are other sectors of non-residential construction that we think can fare relatively well. You know, whether it's warehousing or some sectors that we think will be helps or will be supported by infrastructure spending by uh, uh, governments, both uh, federally and provincially. Uh, so we think construction actually might be a quiet supportive sector for the economy as well. Uh, the three other sectors we touch on, we think each of them face a bit of a mixed uh, picture. Um, you know, of course, energy was, you know, looked uh, in very dire straits. Uh, when at one point energy prices went negative in uh, in April, but we happen to believe that's one sector that uh, we've begun to see some stability, and we are modestly optimistic over the next year on the energy sector, as uh, we do believe oil prices will uh, firm further as uh, the global economy recovers in uh, in 2021. Manufacturing, it's uh, a mixed picture, but we do think there are some opportunities there. Uh, we do believe there will be some reshoring of activity. We also think supply lines might be shortened uh, somewhat as, as a result of this. And while there are parts of manufacturing that will uh, will struggle, struggle just because demand will remain weak, we think overall there are some uh, very real opportunities, and that includes in the tech sector or tech-related sector in uh, in manufacturing. Uh, finally, in agriculture, um, it's been a bit of a challenge, actually, for agriculture this year for a variety of reasons, uh, both in the crop and livestock space. Uh, but we are looking for relatively robust uh, comebacks on, on both sides over the course of uh, 2021. Uh, looking a little bit further out, we happen to believe that uh, inflation-adjusted uh, livestock and crop prices will tend to come down over the uh, the medium term. But we we continue to be relatively supportive or upbeat on the, on the agricultural uh, space. We do believe that's one area where Canada actually does have a pretty significant relative advantage, and so we do believe that agriculture can uh, perform relatively well over the medium term. So the BMO Blue Book also features our own business bankers' observations of how their clients have been faring since the pandemic started. Now, clearly how well they've done depends on the particular businesses and sectors. What thoughts do you have on the business types that have been doing particularly well? And, uh, you know, aside from tech, frankly, it's been mostly a challenge of just trying to get back to, uh, to normal. And, and of course, uh, within small businesses, it's, it's really very much dependent on, first of all, what area of the country you're in, what, uh, what business you're in. Clearly bars and restaurants have had, you know, and anything related to travel have had one of the biggest hills to, uh, to climb. 
But we have seen some sectors uh, manage to uh, to come back relatively quickly. Uh, we recently bu- uh, launched our uh, uh, business activity index um, as as basically a guide overall to how the recovery is doing. We think this is actually uh, a little bit more of a, a complete and more up to date measure than uh, than the traditional GDP. Uh, numbers that come out with a bit of a lag. And what they showed is after, of course, a very steep decline in March and April, we saw about a 6% comeback in our BAI in, uh, in May. And then, and, and, and we're currently tracking a 9% uh, comeback in, uh, in June. And we think that this reflects the, uh, the overall recovery that we're starting to see in small businesses. But it's interesting, um, you know, when we, when we look at, you know, by industry size, who's been hit the hardest or who's faced some of the biggest challenges. Frankly, it is the small and medium-sized enterprises that have faced uh, some of the most serious challenges in uh, in this shutdown. It's partly the nature of the kind of businesses that they were in, and who's been affected the most by uh, by the pandemic, and you know by the you know the social distancing or physical distancing that we've uh, that we've needed uh, to employ over over the last few months. You know, and that that has tended to uh, to weigh on small businesses more. Uh, than uh, than large businesses overall. Now, earlier, you referred to the programs that the Canadian government has put in place to support businesses, such as the Canadian Business Emergency Business Account and the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy. Uh, it sounded like you thought those programs have been working quite well so far. Uh, how long do you think they'll need to be kept in place? Well, and I think it's pretty clear we're going to see a very significant shift away from the CERB and to the Qs. And, uh, sorry for using, uh, technical terms, uh, basically away from direct payments to, uh, to households and more through businesses that, uh, that hire people back. We, we really think that's, that's going to be the, the push over the late summer and, and into the fall. Uh, the government has set aside quite a bit more money to, to spend on the, on the wage subsidies. We think, you know, they are going to do everything they can to try to encourage, uh, businesses to, to use that. Uh, they've, they've recently changed, uh, made it a little bit more easier to access. The, it's, it's a bit more complicated now. Um, but they've, uh, they've made it much easier for more businesses to access that. That's where they're going to, uh, to push on, uh, on that front. You know, to this point, there really hasn't been nearly as much take up on that front as the, the government expected. Uh, there's been a much bigger take up on the, the CERB than, uh, than what they expected. Uh, but we think they're they're going to transition or try to transition the economy from the the CERB to uh, to the wage subsidy in a much more meaningful fashion. How long will these stay in place? Well, it really does depend on how the virus unfolds. You know, if we start to see a reemergence such as they've seen in the U.S., uh, I wouldn't at all be surprised if the wage subsidy lasts well into 2021. Um, if we don't get a significant second wave or uh, a resurgence, um, then I think we could actually start to see it wind down in early 2021. Uh, but at this point, I think the government's really keeping its options open, understandably so. I think they, one of the reasons why they're not giving any sort of, uh, forecast for 2021 on the, on the fiscal side is they're just not sure how long they, this has to, uh, these, these measures have to last. Um, I think the bottom line though is the government is prepared. Um, you know, if they're going to err, if they're going to make a mistake, it's that they're probably going to be too generous, not that they're going to pull the rug out from under the economy early. So the Vivo Blue Book also focuses on the individual provincial outlooks, both on the economic and business side. Do you have a view on which provinces might be best positioned to continue with the recovery as we go? 
Well, it's it's very interesting. You know, even though every single province is going to see a very significant decline in activity this year, there are clearly very big regional differences. Um, and and effectively, a lot of it was, you know, did did your province depend heavily on oil, and and you know, how severely was it affected by the virus? And essentially, the provinces that were less affected were able to open earlier and didn't have a large uh, share of oil or energy in their their production, look to have have fared relatively well. And that essentially includes the maritime provinces, Manitoba and B.C. Um, uh, Again, all all of those provinces will see pretty significant declines in activity this year, but less so than in the other provinces and are probably poised to lead the way. And, you know, in the early stages of the reopening, that's exactly what we've seen. Some of those provinces come back uh, quite quickly. And, you know, I'm, I'm, again, I'm thinking of the Maritimes, Manitoba, and B.C., uh, that have fared relatively well up to this point. Quebec and Ontario, they uh, they locked down a bit harder. Um, in Ontario's case, uh, the the opening reopening was uh, was uh, lagged the rest of the country. Uh, so the decline this year in those two provinces might be, you know, close to the national average or even a little bit deeper in, in, uh, in, in some, um, in some economic indicators. But we would expect both those two provinces to see pretty solid rebounds in, uh, in 2021. You know, again, not as, uh, you know, not as quickly recovering as some of those other provinces I mentioned, but we do think Central Canada will see a more complete recovery in 2021. Now those provinces that really depended on the oil sector, um, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Newfoundland to a lesser extent. Um, we'll see very deep declines, understandably so, in uh, in 2020. Uh, but based on our forecast for energy prices, we're assuming at least an average uh, WTI of $45 in 2021. We do we do think that they can rebound in uh, a more completely in uh, in in the year ahead. Um, so overall, it's it's a relatively mixed picture from uh, from coast to coast. But from very from a very broad stroke, we were all in this uh, together. We, we're all going to, you know, suffer through a, a pretty tough downturn in in 2020. And while there are different contours as you go across the country, I think the you know the big picture is actually uh, surprisingly similar. Um, you know, despite very different experiences with the uh, with the virus and you know very different dependence on the en- energy industry. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, not too. Many provinces will be that different from our national forecast of about a 6% drop this year and a 6% recovery next year. Doug Porter, BMO Chief Economist, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for hosting me, Peter. So for further information on BMO Business Banking, including access to BMO Business Banking's COVID-19 business support page, please visit bmo.com slash main slash business. For further information from BMO Economics, please visit economics.bmo.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a good day. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more insights, visit bmocm.com slash COVID-19. This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns, Inc., and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO. 
Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including, without limitation, any commodities, securities, or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients. It does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances or otherwise constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. BMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options or any other activity, which would cause BMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. BMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interests, and you, to the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified independent representative in making hedging or trading decisions. This podcast is not to be relied upon in substitution for the exercise of independent judgment. You should conduct your own independent analysis of the matters referred to herein, together with your qualified independent representative, if applicable. BMO assumes no responsibility for verification of the information in this podcast. No representation or warranty is made as to the accuracy or completeness of such information, and BMO accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss arising from any use of or reliance on this podcast. BMO assumes no obligation to correct or update this podcast. This podcast does not contain all information that may be required to evaluate any transaction or matter, and information may be available to BMO and or its affiliates that is not reflected herein. BMO and its affiliates may have positions, long or short, and affect transactions or make markets, insecurities mentioned herein, or provide advice or loans to, or participate in the underwriting or restructuring of the obligations of, issuers and companies mentioned herein. Moreover, BMO's trading desks may have acted on the basis of the information in this podcast. For full legal disclosure, please visit bmocm.com legal. To access our full disclosures for equity research reports, please visit researchglobal0.bmocapitalmarkets.com slash public dash disclosure slash.